Thanks, Pastor Gary. Well, good morning to you all on Good Friday. The cross. What is the cross? If I were to ask you that question, or if I were to ask you to complete this statement, the cross is, what would you say? Good question. Thank you, Pastor Gary. There actually are three things that are explicitly stated in the Scriptures as to what the cross is, according to the Apostle Paul. And we're going to be look, looking at them this morning. Now, they are three different statements. And which one is relevant to you depends upon your perspective and the state of your heart. Number one, what is it? Who can guess? The cross is salvation? No. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we read, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. There's a fair bit going on in there, but... I just want to focus now on that very first statement. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But let's be clear. What is the message of the cross? So in this context, we can see if we jump down to verse 23, which is highlighted up on the screen. The message of the cross is Christ crucified. Two key words there. Christ is not just the name of Jesus or a name of Jesus. It is a title that means the anointed one, the one commissioned by God to save his people. Crucified. What does it really mean to be crucified? What was it really like? Well, it's execution to start off with. Not only that, it's done in public, everyone can see it going on. It was slow and tortuous. It took days. Ordinarily, it took days to die. 
it was extremely painful. Not only that, it was shameful. You know those images you see of Jesus in paintings? He's up on the cross and all he's wearing is a loincloth. Well, guess what? In reality, there was no loincloth. There was no dignity at all in being crucified. So when you put the two together, you have the anointed one of God commissioned to deliver his people, executed in the most shameful, painful way. And for those who have not experienced the salvation of God, they see it as foolishness. It doesn't make sense to them that if God wants to save his people, why has he done this? What sort of what's going through the minds of these people that think this way? I mean, you may have been there, you we probably all were there before, anyway, where we didn't believe this. But we get a clue from verse 19. It says, For it is written, and this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 29. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. That actually is a direct quote from Isaiah. 29 verse 14. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. That's where the quote comes from. But look, when you read on, and it gives you a further explanation of what sort of people that this scripture has been uh, applied to. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think. Who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, You did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing? Here is a pot. This is my pot I made in year nine in high school. <laughs> As you can see, art, or very specifically pottery, is not my gifting. <laughs> can you imagine this pot saying to me, you did not make me. You know nothing, which is another way of saying is I'm smarter than you. This pot is declaring it is smarter than me. Isn't that foolish? I mean, it's foolish to think that a pot could speak anyway, I guess. But uh, besides that point. But what the scriptures are trying to say here is that those who don't understand the ways of God, who think that it's foolish, it's because they've turned things upside down. They think this pot... The pot thinks it's the potter. They think, ah, oh, God didn't make me. I don't need God. It speaks of an independence from God. And what is the root of that? Pride. It's the pride who don't see their need for God. It's the pride who are perishing. So my plea for those who see the cross as foolishness, 
Just have a think about who you are. Do you really believe that you are the potter, the master of your own destiny, that no one created you, that you're not dependent on anyone? Can you see that you are the pot, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made? You didn't come together by accident. And there the potter, the master potter, loves you. And he sent his son for a very particular reason, to save you. Perishing. It says that it's those who are perishing see the cross as foolishness. Perhaps another word for a perishing is eternal separation from God. You may think, well, is it really that bad? Does it even exist? Well, I like to think that in life there's a general principle. The greater the problem, the greater the sacrifice required to overcome the problem. For example, imagine you're a B-grade student at school. You want to get A's. Where's the youth? Any B-grade students here that want to get A's? If you want to get A's, you've got to make a bit of sacrifice. You've got to do a little bit extra. You've got to study a little bit more. <laughs> if you're a C-grade student, you've got to have an even greater sacrifice. And if you're getting D's, which I'm sure no, one, no kids here are, you have to make an even greater sacrifice. One of the greatest sacrifices ever made in the last hundred years was during World War II. The nations, so many nations had to sacrifice their young men, their young women, just to save themselves from a terrible evil that was going on throughout the world. So I believe there is this general principle that operates in the universe. So when you apply that to Jesus dying on the cross... If this perishing was no big deal, if there was nothing to be saved from, why would God, the Son of God, come to earth, give up his riches in heaven to walk this humble life on earth, to be unjustly sentenced to death and then executed by crucifixion? It does not make sense unless we are being saved from something that is so terrible. So my plea, again, to those who do think the cross as foolishness, come, acknowledge your dependence on God, your needs for salvation, come before him and be saved. And I think there's, and even if we are saved, I think in this there's also a very subtle message for us. Is there any aspect of the message of the cross that we don't fully accept? That we may not call it foolish, foolish, but we don't quite believe it. Do you believe everything that the cross proclaims it to be? Which we'll hear a little bit more about later today. Before I move on to my second point about what the cross is, I just want to give a bit of a warning out. 
some parts that I might share here may be offensive to some people. I don't say that to offend people. But we need to hear the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. So the second point as to what the cross is. The cross is offensive to those who believe they can get right with God apart from the cross. Galatians chapter 5 verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. And we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This time I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. So why is the cross offensive in this situation? We get an insight into the answer earlier on in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 4 where it says, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Trying to be justified by the law speaks of trying to be made right with God through something that we do, such as keeping certain laws in the Bible, as the Jews, as some Jews would attempt to do, such as doing good works, such as keeping yourself from sin. The irony is, if you're, try, if you, if you're trying to get close to God, if you're trying to get made right with God, and your motive to do that is based on your good works, you actually alienate yourself from Jesus. You fall away from his grace. This, I think, is an inclination of the human nature. I think many of us struggle, myself included, over the years, thinking that we have to do something to be right with God. And as a young boy sitting in the church that I grew up in, I remember the pastor saying one morning, doing good will not get you into heaven. And as a young adult, I remember hearing a, a lecturer from Tabor Bible College one day preaching a message on grace in the church that I was at. And partway through the sermon, I remember him saying, only bad people go to heaven. Mm. What's your reaction when I say these sorts of statements? Was it a hearty, amen? Or was it, mm, let me think about that more a bit? Which is okay, you're allowed to think about things. Or... Were you slightly offended? Was your theology offended? Have you ever been offended? When everyone's in a, when, has anyone ever said to you, you're not good enough, or what you did was not good enough? 
Have you ever been offended? How did it make you feel? Angry? Upset? Discouraged? And what causes us to react that way? Isn't it, there's that word again, our pride. Our pride wants to say that there's something good in us. The message of the cross is an affront to our pride. The message of the cross is that there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing good in us that makes us right with God. And there is absolutely no good thing that we can do to be made right with God. The cross alone, alone, alone makes us right with God. And all, all people, all people can be made right with God. No one is too far beyond salvation. How can you tell that the cross is no longer offensive to you? It's when you can accept that the most vile person can be saved and you would not be offended if they did get saved. Who is the most vile person you know? Personally, someone you just hear about, someone from history. And there's obviously been a few. But a hypothetical situation. What if some of these people had a deathbed confession, confession on their deathbed, saved on their deathbed, did nothing right in their life, only at the end they got saved. Would you be happy? Would you be offended if they were saved? Now, we get to the good point, the third point. The cross is the power of God to those being saved. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Two obvious questions here. What's this, us who are being saved? I thought I was saved. Yes, many of you in here I know are saved. But salvation is not a one-step process. Being born again, the process of having your sins wiped away, entering into eternity with God is the first step of salvation. The salvation process continues on and on until we see him face to face. Because how many of you know when you get born again, you've still got issues in your life to be, to be delivered from? The power of God. What is the power of God then? Put simply, it is the power to meet every need of the human condition. I was really encouraged last Sunday during communion. Christiane, you mentioned the word exchange. There's an exchange uh, at the cross. Later that morning, I walk out the foyer and I saw, oh, these proclamation cards. Proclamation of the divine exchange. What really encouraged me was that the night before, last Sunday, as I was putting my content together, 
I put these very words down in my sermon, the divine exchange. Maybe God's wanting to show us something here this morning. It's a, uh, a well-known teaching for those who are familiar with the teaching of Derek Prince, so I've copied it word for word. So, what is the divine exchange? This is the power of God. This is what happened on the cross. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus died our death that we might receive his life. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. Jesus bore our shame that we might share his glory. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance with the Father. And Jesus was made a curse that we might enter into the blessing. The power of God is that these are available to you any time, any day, not just on the day that we are saved and certainly not just on Good Friday. My question for you, though, is which one of these do you need this morning? How do you get these? You simply believe that this is the truth and you thank God for it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were punished, that I might be forgiven. I do not fully understand it, but I do believe and I am grateful. And on and on you can declare them. And by the way, there's plenty of these out in the foyer, I noticed, if you want to grab one. So, to you, what is the cross? Is it foolishness? Is it offensive? Or, it is, or is it the power of God? If it's foolish, are you willing to humble yourself and acknowledge that God is the potter and you are simply a pot? A very beautiful made pot by God nonetheless. And are you willing to receive the salvation that you need that's been offered through Jesus? If the cross is offensive, are you willing to change your theology, to move beyond your offence and embrace the fact that salvation is through the cross alone? And if the cross is God's power in your life, are you experiencing all of his power in your life? Do you believe all of these exchanges that were made available? Today is the day to receive God's power in your life.